0: We're going to talk this afternoon, see what the Word of God has to say and the importance of training our thoughts and training our speech and training uh, and tying that into training our children and our grandchildren uh, how to control or what their thoughts and their speech ought to be. Psalms 145, we find ourselves in verse number five. Bible says, I will speak. Of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. If there's ever a plaque that should go on some, a Christian's wall in their living room, that's one of them. I mean, that's a beautiful passage of scripture. And every faithful Israelite counted it their duty to obey that verse. And David, he is Declaring that he is ready to perform that duty. Speak his speech to speak of thy glorious honor of thy majesty and thy wondrous works. Look at verse six says. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing. Of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord. And thy saints shall bless thee. Look at this. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom. And talk of thy power. To make known to the sons of men. As, mad, as mighty acts. And the glorious majesty of his kingdom. That nation was trained to talk about the Lord unashamedly. And they counted it their duty to do so. And they did it frequently. And David got others. It's assumed others were involved by verse 6. And men shall speak. He's expecting others to join in. Now, I know this Old Testament, I know this is David, I know this is Israel. We can certainly make some practical applications. Our speech should be, more of it probably should be about praising God. Praising God. And I want to be careful, even this week when we do all this evangelism, I want to be careful that our speech is more about the Lord than it is about us. <laughs> I'm not saying don't give you testimony. I'm not saying any of that. If, if that points people to Christ, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about rabbit trails that aren't going to speak of the glorious goodness of God. There's a time and a place for it. But what I'm talking about this morning is getting our speech and our thoughts on the Lord. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11. We were there briefly this morning. Hebrews chapter number 11. Bible says at the, at the uh, uh, well, let's read at verse 13. Hebrews 11, 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. But having seen them far off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We we, we are born from above as we live down here on the earth, and this world knoweth us not. they knew him not. We've been begotten. We've been born again. And it's a heavenly. It's a spiritual. It is a divine new birth. From above. This world is not our home. The Bible says. Verse number 14. For they that say such things. Declare plainly. That they seek a country. We are foreigners to this land. We live here on earth. And I understand. I'm thankful for my American citizenship. I don't want to live anywhere else. I'm thankful that we have what we have in America. my citizenship is in heaven and if you're saved don't get too comfortable down here because your citizenship is in heaven amen (laughs) and beyond that we get to travel when we go be with the Lord we get to go where the Lord goes if we were to get raptured right now, tonight, we no longer have a citizenship down here. We're going to be in heaven with the Lord, but we're only going to be there for seven years. Because then after that, we're going to come down here. We're going to live a thousand years on the earth and rule and reign with Christ. A travel package comes with it as well. We get to go wherever the Lord goes. What are we? Is to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This idea of, well, do you want to go to heaven? I mean, who would say no to going to heaven? I guess a lot of people nowadays, but most people would say, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll take heaven. They may not want the Lord to be there when they get there, and that's that's the issue. Our citizenship is going to be with the Lord forever. It's bigger than, oh, I get to go to heaven and not hell. No, you get to be with the Lord. We're just foreigners down here. Uh, they declare plainly, they, it's a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country, mindful of that country, from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. You know, Moses, in Exodus 13, you don't have to turn there, but Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which he came out from Egypt out of the house of bondage Moses can remember that his people can remember For by thy for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place Moses didn't have any regrets he didn't want to go back to Egypt his people didn't want to go back to Egypt He can look back and remember with no regrets, but that same hard attitude uh, that didn't come with lot's life and I guess I'm here this afternoon we're here this afternoon to answer this question our thoughts. We can remember what we got saved out of. We can remember what the Lord brought us out of. Are we looking back in memory like Moses, or are we looking back like Lot's wife? And that's something to think about. Sometimes the temptation is the longing to go back. Sometimes it's the thought that we should have repented of our departure. And the devil will bring that into your mind. Your flesh will bring that into your mind. The sad reality is Christians aren't rejoicing in the joy of biblical separation. I'm glad I'm not in Egypt anymore. I have no regrets. I have no interest in going back. I'm so glad I have been redeemed and rescued. Nowadays not onward Christian soldiers, let's march on. Nowadays it's can you sign me up for the Christian carnival cruise ship? And we get so bogged down with that kind of thing. But we're we're on a we on a march. We're heading we're heading to our heavenly home. So we looked at David's speech, Israelite people. It was their duty to speak of God's glorious works. Our thoughts, our duty should have our thoughts affixed on where we're going, eternal things. Our thought life is going to affect our speech and vice versa. Go to Jeremiah, Uh, go to the book of Jeremiah, and we'll go to chapter 10, but don't get nervous. We're only going to hit the first two verses. Jeremiah chapter number 10, Jeremiah chapter number 10. We can see very clearly in verse number two of Jeremiah chapter number 10. Bible says, thus saith the Lord. When you see that in the Bible, your ears should perk up. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen. It's not Christian. We We don't sing the world's music. We don't use the world's language, all of their slang vocabulary of the world. We don't use that. We don't use the world's body language and expressions and all of their dancing and all of their carousing. Learn not the way of the heathen. Christians are to be a separated people. The world's ways shouldn't excite us. Look at verse 1. Hear ye the word. Which the Lord hath spoken unto you, O house of Israel. If you listen to what God has to say. You will understand what you heard and listened to. The understanding hopefully brings about a belief in what you and I just understood. Then we continue to live our lives remembering what we believe. And then we start practicing what we remember. And then we continue in that and that circle continues. And that's how we grow in the Lord. But it has to start with, hear ye the word of the Lord. And when we hear his word. Our words should line up with this, and our thoughts should line up with this. That's how we train our thought language, and it's how we train our speech. Let's hear what God has to say. Let's not learn the way of the heathen. Forget about that. Let's listen to God. What does he say? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians 10. Discipline, a disciplined life, Second Corinthians 10, verse number 5, well, verse number 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It's a disciplined thought life. We must train our thoughts. It says bringing into captivity. You know, prisoners are made. And the mind is like a city. And when that city is captured, the people that are now roaming around that city are your thoughts. <laughs> and if your mind is the prisoner and it's held captive and inside it is thoughts running around, you better take those thoughts captive. And they better come into the obedience of Christ because that's a lot better to have running around in your mind the word of the Lord. It'll bring out better things that we speak about. Our mind, it all—it's all connected. It's all connected. As Christ Captured your thoughts. was fellowship in uh, this morning after church. I, I'm, I'm, I guess I shouldn't be shocked, but I, but I, I just can't believe as, as I hear the stuff that goes on in church, that they serve coffee in church. For all the church members. And they can all drink coffee during the service. And they're earning money off of all of the coffee that's sold at the church, and then you know it goes to a good cause. And that makes it makes it okay. I don't want to be dogmatic about you can't have a bottled water in the sanctuary and all that i mean i believe there should be orders we got a kitchen downstairs and all and all that can we get through a church service without having to put something in our mouth whether it's water or coffee or food i mean can that (laughs) i hope i'm not preaching to somebody right now but can that happen can that happen You got yourself brewing a nice cup of Folgers coffee. How am I going to have my thoughts on the Lord? And everybody's sipping coffee. Nonetheless, churches are doing this. I guess we can, all a big crowd, we just open up Jehovah Java in the back and, you know, we just rotate servers and, I want to hear the word of the Lord. I want to get the mind of God. I've got enough distraction in my life, and so do you. you got enough stress at work. you got enough stress being out in the world. you got enough stress dealing with things that life just brings about. I want to come in the house of God. I want to be around God's people. I just want to get my thoughts on God. I want to try to get my speech a little bit better this week than it was last week. I want to bring the false Catholic to the obedience of Christ. I want him on my mind. Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Anybody that's thinking we're going to, that Jehovah Java cafe is going to work, think again. I don't think we're going to go down that road. Philippians 4. Verse number eight. Uh, Verse number seven, I think it ties in great. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds, talking about our thoughts, through Christ. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think, think, think on these things. They used to have a teacher. And the, 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 this teacher would use that word over and think, 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 think about it. Think on these things. You know what that means? Blamey Grant, don't care. How do you have a so-called Christian artist that's not a Christian artist make the top of the Christian charts in a so-called, not in the secular world, on the Christian chart? It's so-called Christian charts and some LGBTQ alphabet soup crowd Christian artists. That the world calls and so called Christians who aren't really Christians call Christian. You end up with flamey gram. It's not pure. It's not lovely. It's not honest. It's not Christian. I don't want to think about it. I don't want. How does that happen? How do you get a nation that people say is a Christian nation and they rally around things that aren't pure and honest and raise this quote-unquote star up to the top of the Christian music charts? Folks, none of it, none of that is Christian. None of that speech is Christian. Those thoughts aren't Christian. I'll tell you the sad reality: that he or she or we're—I don't—I don't know what you call them—they've got more followers and likes than than most Bible-believing churches in America. And I know some of you senior saints, you can't believe that we're at this point in what's supposed to be American Christianity. But we're not only at this point, we are knee-deep in a mess. Knee-deep in a mess. You imagine if we had to go to war? This This ain't where you had real men back in the days of Vietnam and World War II enlisting you're going to have some guy named Flamey Grant representing you. (laughs) We're going to get whooped. What happened to men being men? What happened to women being proud that their men were strong men that fought for something, that stood for something? They were able to get their hands dirty. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Thoughts of the Lord went on our mind. Christ went and held captive. And our speech started to go away from praising the Lord to God help us. Whatever things are pure, lovely, honest, of good report. I want to think on that. God help us to do it. James 1. James 1. Verse 19, James 1, verse number 19. The Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Every wife loves hearing that verse. That's a wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture. Swift to hear. That means we, all of us, I'm not just talking about men, all of us, we do need, we need to learn how to listen. And if we've learned how to listen, we understand that our children, our grandchildren, others, they need to be taught how to listen. And we we do this as parents and as grandparents. We have to teach our kids not to interrupt. Why do they interrupt? Well, because they don't want to be swift to hear. They want to be swift to be heard. And wanting to interrupt is still not listening. Because we have on our mind wanting to be heard instead of wanting to hear and to listen. Now that takes some training. That takes some training. You know, we have visitors come. and All throughout this week, we are going to be witnessing. We need to take into, into consideration this verse. Swift to hear. Slow to speak. Why? Because we, we should be able to listen to another person. Intently listen to what they have to say. What's on their heart and mind. If they're searching for truth, they don't care what you're what your life was like last week you're there to give them truth they want to know thus saith the Lord that's the most important thing for them to learn so let us be careful let us have our thoughts and let us have our speech so in tune to God that we're just ready to listen and God help us to train our children to listen as well so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, okay, we want people to hear God's word. Slow to speak, uh, it's best sometimes to just have an occasion for a moment of silence. Sometimes that's what we need, sometimes that's what home needs. Just some quiet. James chapter 1, verse 19. Such a powerful passage of Scripture. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Do you know why? Because our hearts, if we're not careful, they're just inclined to gossip or tailbearing or just chatter or just... You know how important that is for a preacher? We'll get to that in a minute. But the more we say the more we have an opportunity to say something wrong or offensive. So let's be slow to speak. Because that desire to be heard sometimes can become the stronghold in the mind. And so James chapter one tells us, hey, let's be slow to speak. Sometimes the overly talkative can do more harm than those That are just outright willingly telling a lie. We just talk too much. We betray. All of a sudden we betray somebody's confidence. We lose friends. We have enemies. We make it worse for our enemies. Because we just won't zip of the lip. Preachers. Need to be careful. To only preach. What they have. Thought through what they have prayed through what they have studied through and then they can trust you know all preachers they've got notes and then whatever the Holy Spirit gives them when they're up there but sometimes using the Holy Spirit to give you when you're up there the Holy Spirit didn't give you that (laughs) it's just easier to blame the Holy Spirit than it is to blame yourself for saying something a preacher has to talk he has to think through thoughts we better be careful preachers especially that's why the bible says not a novice lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil How our words can get us in trouble. And they can hurt people. Then it says slow to wrath. At the end of verse number 19. And then it says. In verse 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness. Of God. We do all we can. To try to guard against this spirit of debate. Or this spirit of. Irritating tempers The Bible wants us to be slowed around Because this does not work Any righteousness of God As a preacher I must warn I must exhort I must compel I must teach the word of God But it must all be done in love Because scolding from the pulpit Does not work the righteousness of God The hearers will become resentful or As one of our saints told me a few years back, a beautiful phrase that I'll I'll steal from her. uh, Preachers can't beat the sheep. (laughs) What is that? It's not going to work the righteousness of God. And ultimately, that phrase has to do with a heart attitude. That isn't in tune with God's word. Hearers, on the other hand, are to have the same expectation of a right spirit. Not to listen with the disposition of finding fault or arguing with the truth or just trying. It's a two-way street. Go to Titus chapter number two. Let's see what we can get from Titus. Titus chapter 2. Right in the beginning of the passage, of, of the chapter, in verse number 1, we see it. It jumps right out of us. But speak. Thou the things which become. Sound doctrine. Our speech matters. We must. Train our speech. That the aged men be sober. Grave temperate. Sound. In faith. In charity. In patience. And it starts with their speech. Older men. Your speech matters. Well, how do I know if I'm old? Well, ask the guy you're talking to his age. (laughs) And if he's younger than you, then you are the aged men in that specific relationship or contact. Then it goes on. It speaks about the aged women. And then it goes on and says in verse number eight. Sound speech. I don't think you can find that phrase anywhere else in the Bible, but right here in Titus chapter 2. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say. Titus is charged to be an example to other believers and he cares enough and so should we. That if it's going to offend somebody We don't say. What is the only offense that we should bring? The gospel. If you tell somebody tomorrow night at the fair, Christ died for your sins according to scripture, was buried according to scripture, rose three days, three nights according to scripture. Uh, he offers you free salvation. It's exclusively through Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. And they get offended. That is an offense that is biblical. But if you hand somebody a gospel track and they say, "What is it?" and you say, "It's the good news of Jesus, how did He died for your sins, according to the Scripture," and they say, "No, I don't need that," and you say, "Well, what's your problem?" That's an offense that you created, and God's against that. speech we have to learn to control it well they were they were snarky with me so I'll be snarky with them well how about we don't do that how about we just zip it I give you some good news of Jesus no I don't need that all right have a good day I give you something to read now I'm good well the Bible says there's really none good. Did you consider? it? no, no. Okay, have a good day. There's a way to be persistent. There's a way to press. There's a way to be confrontational. There's a way to contend for the faith. And we should do that. We don't go out there and just let people berate us. But there's some things we do have to eat as we contend in a biblical way. And most of that has to do with our thoughts being held captive under the obedience of Christ so that our speech comes out way that it ought to look I'm preaching to myself I'm trying to get some help too it's not an easy thing and the more you talk the more you realize oh another opportunity for me to mess up our words should point people to love the doctrine that's found in the word sound speech that cannot be condemned private conversation soundness of speech Watching your tongue and what you say in the midst of those that you know are going to imp- oppose the doctrine that you believe. And amidst that, you've got to watch your speech. It really, as I study this out on thought life and speech life, it really brings to my attention as a preacher the importance of words. And the importance of language. And just how serious it is. Words hurt people. Let's go through a few verses. And then we'll close. Flip back a few pages. Go to 1 Timothy 6. I'm going to show you. Four passages of scripture. Then we'll close out. 1 Timothy 6. Look at verse number three. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, according, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Well, I just want to be a godly man. I just want to be a godly Christian. I want to live a godly Christian life. Okay, well, let's start with this verse. Your words. (laughs) Someone that is living a godly life has wholesome words. And that's important. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse number 13. Look at this. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. You see that? Sound words. You heard that. It was in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Your words matter. Look at 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Just how important our speech is. The starting point to living a godly life starts with our thoughts and our speech. 2 Timothy 4, verse number 3. Preach the word. Preaching involves talking and using words, using language. Be instant in season out of season. Repute, uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort. With all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine see that but after their own lust shall they themselves teachers having itching ears well here you have words and it's having no effect they're not they don't want to endure sound doctrine so what do you do you stick to godliness Using wholesome words, the doctrine found in the word, and you preach it, and you be instant in season. Analysis. What's the best advice you could give me if I'm down in the dumps about something? this verse. Preach the word. You know why? Because that's going to trigger me to make a choice. Do I want to keep my thoughts rowing down the sea of sorrow? Or do I want to get my thoughts back into the word and, and, and preach the word? Use words the way that I have been called to use. Them. You use words the way you've been called to use. Them. Wholesome words. Like Titus Be the example for other believers. Last one. Titus 1. Titus 1. Verse number 9. Holding fast. Here it is. The faithful word. As he hath been taught. That he may be able by sound doctrine. Both to exhort. And convince. The game sayer. You want to convince somebody Christ is all they need? You better hold fast the faithful work. Better use some wholesome words. Better use some sound words. You better have your thoughts in captivity of Christ and the obedience of Christ so that the speech comes out the way it should come out. It's training, it's discipline, it's study, it's important, the importance of our thoughts and our words, that we think about it and get some help, especially this week as we move in to a pretty happy week of evangelism, keep our hearts affixed on Christ come out and how we talk about it.